How does the bastard, orphan, son of a whore and a Scotsman, dropped in the middle of a forgotten spot in the Caribbean by providence impoverished in squalor, grow up to be a hero and a scholar? The ten dollar founding father without a father got a lot farther by working a lot harder, by being a lot smarter, by being a self-starter. By fourteen, they placed him in charge of a trading charter. And every day while slaves were being slaughtered and carted away across the waves, he struggled and kept his guard up. Inside, he was longing for something to be a part of. The brother was ready to beg, steal, borrow, or barter. Then a hurricane came and devastation reigned. Our man saw his future drip, dripping down the drain. Put a pencil to his temple, connected it to his brain. And he wrote his first refrain, a testament to the pain. Well, the word got around. They said this kid is insane man took up a collection just to send him to the mainland get your education don't forget from whence you came and the world's gonna know your name what's your name man alexander hamilton my name is alexander hamilton and there's a million things i haven't done but just you wait just you wait Welcome to the Up for Discussion podcast. My name is Tim Blay. And I am Tom Zalatni. Neither of us is named Alexander Hamilton. Hamilton. Hamilton? Just you wait. Just you wait. Um, but yeah, as you can see, uh, we've been a little bit obsessed with a certain musical of late that is sweeping the uh, world slash the Broadway slash I don't know what. I guess it's kind of been sweeping the world for a while. It's definitely sweeping. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is the Up for Discussion podcast, a weekly comedy news spectacular for your ears to put themselves on. Yeah, welcome to 2016, guys. Should old acquaintance be forgot? Do you remember the word? It's like, I didn't realize that that was like Scottish. I didn't realize it was a Scottish song. I, I just thought idea, it was like yeah. weirdly old English, but apparently it's like a Scottish dialect. I didn't know Scottish was a language. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's not really like it's a dialect of English. Okay. Right. So that's it's like, but it's like a, of, it's a messed up enough dialect of English that. Yeah, but it must be like old Scottish, right? Like for old lang syne, my Joe doesn't make right. a lot of sense in English. Yeah, but also, know. but should all old acquaintance be forgot does, right? It this right. sounds the same. Yeah, I mean, so, to some extent. Yeah. So it's just, you know. It's just yeah. not a thing people say, but well, yeah, you know. I don't know. I've forgotten a lot of old acquaintances, haven't you? I guess, yeah. I mean, I mean, I've forgotten a lot of old friends, like everybody in high school. Yeah, most people in Sejep. You know, mm. you're getting old when you start to forget about people you went to college with. Yeah, well, I mean, no, I don't know that you're getting old because you're not, but I'm getting old. I like to think we're both getting old at the same rate. Mm, I mean, fractionally, you're getting old faster. Is that true? Like, your fractions work. Like you're every at during every moment, you are lengthening your life by a a larger percentage than I am. Okay, I guess that's fair. Right? Like you you're you are experiencing this second is more of the total of your life. Yeah. Than mine is. I mean, I never thought I'd live past twenty. Right. Where, Where I come, I come from, from, some get half, half as many. many. Ask anybody. Um. So this is uh. A, a fun time show for you, for yeah. your, for your, you and your friends to put put your ears to and listen to on a weekly basis, just with us. Uh, usually, we've got 
And like one or two other people here with Usually us. Usually we have Mr. Simon, Super Simon Pelletier, at No The Other Simon if you want to yell at him for being absent. But he's not here this week, so it's just me and T-Bone. We don't even really know where he is. He's just off. Yeah, I, I think he has a voice lesson tonight. Okay. I'm not sure about that. A voice lesson. A voice lesson. I mean, this He's is... He's learning our, to speak. This is my voice lesson, this podcast. Yeah? This is where I learned to speak. That's fair. Like, like honestly, I feel like this is this is a thing... We've been doing this for quite a while now. 32 weeks. And I am so much more comfortable doing things like this than when we started. Yeah, I think I think Simon is taking singing lessons specifically. Ah, yeah. signing lessons. Signing lessons. He's learning how to speak in the sign language. In the singing language. Like so. Man, yeah, I know, right? Am I right? Yeah, that, that's, I mean, don't tell the audience that, though. No, of course not. That's <laughs> for you awful. and me. Yeah. Um, so we're just going to wrap at you guys for an hour. Is it just me, or does like does this podcast feel different? Because I can't tell, because I'm wearing these headphones right, right now that this is going to be a little meta, but I'm wearing these headphones that make everything feel very like trebly, like there's no bass at all. Okay. And I think it's giving me the impression that things are very awkward. Things are not that awkward. But They're like, a little awkward. It's it's awkward because I feel like like nothing that we say has any weight to it because there's no base to it. Oh, and man. it feels very sort of cheap. Like so, we're doing this on without any good equipment and like it. I don't know. Just because of these headphones, it's funny how that happens. Mm-hmm. That this the way that something feels can so yeah the way that something sounds even though we're saying the same things can so change my impression of it. Well, it's just, like I take myself less seriously because I don't have a deep voice anymore. Well. Let's just uh, let's just let the audience know for sure that the show is not cheap to produce, uh, and that that is a baseless ground of accusation. <laughs> this uh, show, in fact, costs tens of dollars to make at least on a monthly basis. Yeah, and so if you'd like to support us uh, in making the show, go to Patreon.com/slash Up for Discussion and uh, pledge to give us any amount of money you like. We have. Uh, a couple of people pledging right now. Uh, shout out to Joanne and Patrick. Yeah. Uh, and Patrick actually has pledged, did a thing. pledged enough that he gets to be in a special tier of subscribers who get to submit requests for things for us to talk about. Mm-hmm. So Patrick has submitted a thing for us to talk about this week, and we are going to do that thing. Tom, what is the thing? So Patrick asks, <coughs> what's the worst ending to a movie or book or whatever? That you've experienced. Ooh. Um, hmm. Tim and I were trying to talk about this before we started recording, and we were both kind of like, bleh, bleh, bleh. well, you felt like mostly you're kind of satisfied with the way things end. I mean, I've never been satisfied, <laughs> but well, you'll I, never be satisfied. I'm generally okay with the endings of things. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but you, the first, your first impression, like your first inclination when we said that was John Green novels. Yeah, John um, Green novels are are always <clears throat> great the whole way through, but I always want something more when they're over. Right. So I don't yeah. know if that counts as not enjoying the ending as much as just not enjoying that they are ending. Well, I don't know, because I feel like John Green novels, there's this thing that John Green does where right close to the ending, he'll often bring in something totally random and like non sequitur to make a point oh tom is loosening and removing his belt sorry about that it is officially the end of the holidays people (sighs) the belt no longer works i'm a fat whittle baby like in in paper towns right right like there's spoiler alert yeah spoiler spoiler alert from here on out for whatever we're about to talk about we're going to be talking about endings so if you don't want to know the ending of what we're talking about 
uh, skip ahead a little bit and yeah. then hope that you don't come in right as we're spoiling <laughs> it. I really don't know what else to tell you. We'll sing a song when we're done talking about spoilery things. How's that? It doesn't help. They can't know where the song is until they No, skip. but they can just keep skipping ahead until they hear us singing. True. But what if, like, I... I don't know. They, they're they're trying to skip through, and we say something like, "I don't know, Bruce Willis is dead," like right at the wrong spot, and then they pick up on that, and Bruce, then Bruce Willis is dead. Sorry, um, <laughs> like okay, but for Paper Towns, so th- yeah. yeah, that other way, there's there's that moment where they're just driving, 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 and then there's a cow, and they like fall off the road, right? And that was met like that was mer- very metaphorically resonant for John Green. Because he wanted it to represent, like, it was a callback to Moby Dick and, like, sort of the impartiality of nature to all the things that you are right. desiring. But at the same time, that was the moment where I pulled out of that book, so to speak. Okay. Um, you pulled out when you saw the car hitting the cow? I saw the cow. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I think, I don't know, maybe I react really strongly when someone like forces me to remember that I'm reading a book or like yeah watch, watching a movie or something that like makes sense like you said that Star Wars gave you that same feeling yeah spoil uh, this, this I'm it's not, not going to spoil spoiler. I'm not going to spoil Star Wars for people but that was my uh, you can comment and tell me if you agree or disagree but my general impression of Star Wars was my same impression as that of the second Star Trek movie was that I was really in it and I liked what they were doing but there was so much like fan service and sort of meta stuff that I kept being pulled out and being forced to remember that it was a movie and right. that kind of messed with my, you know, yeah. enjoyment. Yeah. Well, that's it. Like you can break the fourth wall to a certain point, yeah. but if you're trying to set up like a really believable fantasy scape, mm-hmm. like you can't really break the fourth wall too much, yeah. right? Because otherwise it just takes people out of it. And I think what John Green does is that often he's... I don't know. I don't want to say that he underestimates the intelligence of his reader, but he likes to make it really clear what he's trying to say. Yeah, I think. And so the closer he gets to the ending, the more he's driving that home. And then the more it feels like this is not a real thing. It's a thing that's it's a story that's been constructed to make a point. Right. And maybe that just kind of comes with the territory of being a young adult novelist. Yeah. That you sort of like. I don't know. It's weird because I I don't think that you need to pander to the audience, right? Like, I don't think that you need to assume that they won't get it. Yeah. But at the same time, like, there were a lot of books that I had to read in high school that, you know, were not like they were too subtle. Hmm. And so by the time I was done, I was kind of like, I would not have noticed like all of the metaphors and stuff that were happening in here if my teacher hadn't drilled them into our heads. Right. Right. Well, that's and And, that's kind of what they do in English classes. Yeah. They they even often force you to see metaphors where perhaps none existed when <laughs> right. the person wrote it. Yeah. Right? The cat broke the pickle dish. There is no meaning to this. Mm. We were all really mad at our 10th grade English teacher for uh, for trying to convince <laughs> us that a cat breaking a pickle dish had some kind of metaphorical resonance. Well, why did the cat break the pickle dish? Because it's a cat. Cats are assholes. <laughs> <laughs> they don't need a reason to break things. But, I mean, it seems like an odd thing to write. No, what, what book I is mean, this in? Do you remember? I don't remember for the life of me. It was wow. some book we read in English class. Yeah, I can't remember. I remember a quote from some author saying, yeah, sometimes a parrot is just a parrot. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I wonder if maybe John Green writes that way because he read all those books when he was in high school and kind of felt that way about them, right? Hmm. Like, But they were too subtle? Felt, well, not, not even necessarily thinking 
as an opinion that they were too subtle, but realizing while he was reading them, there were moments where he was like, oh, like, I wish I had noticed that. And it may like subconsciously influence his writing. I don't know. It may also be that like when you're really close to something and when you really understand something, sometimes you lose the perspective of like what it's like to be a little bit further outside of that. Mm. So if John Green is really good at picking up metaphorical resonances, he might not realize like if everything is obvious to him, he might not realize when he's being obvious. Okay. You know? Yeah, that makes sense. Like it seems to me that he like in, in sort of the series that he did where he was deconstructing the great Gatsby, um, you know, he saw a lot of things in the great Gatsby that I did not when right. I read it the first time. Um, but I imagine that if that's the way that he read The Great Gatsby the first time, then in emulating that as one of his favorite books, he would end up making it sort of like making those things maybe ob- more obvious than is right. But who knows? Like, may- maybe I am totally wrong. And maybe this is only a particular type of person's experience of John Green novels. I don't know. I think that there's... And it's also possible that... in. I don't know. There might be also a disadvantage to watch to seeing the vlog Vlogbrothers videos because often a lot of the messages are made explicit. And like if you if you've been watching Vlogbrothers videos and then you read a John Green novel, it's like, oh, all these lessons were videos. Right. Yeah. I think that there is something, though, that's valid about this idea of an individual person's perspective changing the way that they present stuff Mm. uh, and also changing the way that they experience stuff like. When when you and I listen or watch a musical, like yeah. we will, if you and I are sitting in separate rooms taking notes of the things that we notice about it first mm-hmm. on our first listen through, yeah, you will notice things I won't notice for sure, and like, so will you. Yeah, <clears throat> you'll probably notice lyrical structures a little bit more. You might notice like the actual musical things that are going on a little bit more than I will. Right. I will notice references to stuff that you will yeah. not have picked up on. Probably. Because I know the world that that's coming from, right? Yeah. Like if a musical is really, really intensely packed with like references to other songs or references to other works, right? Like I'm going to catch those pretty quickly because mm-hmm. uh, that's the world that I come from. Whereas you're going to catch more of the technical stuff because you know the technical stuff. Yeah. And so like I think that it's reasonable to expect John Green to like, you know, just yeah have that bias of knowing all those things already and working with them well that's the challenge to making any form of art right is to know to somehow keep that knowledge of what it's like to be experiencing this from a point of view of like not only just the first time to this particular work but from not having spent years studying and trying to figure out how to make this kind of work right Mm. as a completely you know virgin mind or whatever to this or at least yeah like like how do you how do you both have the knowledge of how to construct something like this and also have the ability to imagine what it's like to not have that knowledge right yeah it's like how do you basically you need to you need to see the metaphors and you need to know what the metaphors mean while stripping them away a little bit so that people have to catch them for themselves. Right. Yeah. Like you have to take your bias out of it and let other people have that room. It's it's weird. Like you, you almost have to sacrifice a small part of yourself and leave something out Hmm. for the benefit of other people's exploration. I don't know. What do you mean by that? Like, okay. Uh, hmm. if I was, 
That's a good way to explain this. If I wanted to, if I wanted you to experience Pokemon for the first time, right? Okay, I would not sit with you and explain everything that was going on. No, that would be silly. I would sit with you and watch it with you and enjoy it. Uh, and I'd enjoy watching your reactions to stuff, but I wouldn't at any point be like, okay, so like these guys are like this for this reason and like they work for this person and like this Pokemon is like this because of this backstory that gets explained in like 40 episodes. Okay. Like yeah. I watch, you know, if I watch episodes of Pokemon, I know all of this stuff because mm-hmm. I, you know, grew up with that. And probably you will catch things through because you know that that I will not catch. Maybe, although there there's not a whole lot of like backward continuity stuff going on in Pokemon. Maybe maybe not in Pokemon, but, <laughs> but in a lot of things, you yeah. know, that will be the case. Exactly, yeah. And so like for me to, you know, to want to bring you into the world of Pokemon would involve, you know, really limiting the kind of things that I tell you about it, right? Yeah. Um, you want me to just discover it for myself. Yeah, exactly. Because mm-hmm. otherwise you're not like you can't catch it all for yourself <laughs> if i'm force feeding some of it to you uh you make a pokemon metaphor about learning about pokemon yep. you just squashed any interest i had in learning about pokemon <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> one day we'll watch pokemon together no we will not It'll be a weird experience do would you recommend curious about pokemon would you recommend mm-hmm. first watching pokemon or playing pokemon oh i'd first i'd recommend first playing pokemon yeah yeah it's a lot more like the show is fun and cute, but the games are a lot more immersive. Like, does the game make the show make sense, or does the show make the game make sense? Mm, I think the game makes the show make less sense. Oh, really? Because you watch the show and you're like, they're doing everything wrong. <laughs> like the main character Ash will just make a lot of decisions that are really bad. Okay. Uh, and eventually, the the characters on the show start like calling him on it and pointing it out and being like. Why are you so Pokemon works Pokemon battles work on like a type structure kind of thing. Okay. Uh, That's sort of like a giant complicated game of rock, paper, scissors where, you know, fire types uh, like like taking just the three basic types, fire, water and grass. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fire types are strong against grass, but weak against water. Water types are weak against grass, but strong against fire. Okay. Grass types are strong against water, but weak against fire. Um, Okay, cool. So. Uh, I'm not really sure what the logic behind grass types being strong against water is. but Because grass absorbs water. I guess, yeah. Like, that's the best argument I can think of for it. Um, but anyway, so uh, Ash will frequently send in a water type in a battle against a grass type or a fire type in a battle against a water type, despite <laughs> having, like, a whole arsenal of Pokemon <laughs> at his disposal. Weird. It'll be the kind of thing where it's like, oh, like, I'm fighting this fire type and I have a water type on my team who could probably deal with this battle really easily. I'm going to send out my fire type instead. And oh. everyone's like... Why would Ash send out a fire type? Fight because fight fire with fire, man. Yeah, it's it's more just that he he makes bad choices and then, you know, by the power of teamwork or whatever, ends up getting through it and winning anyway. Uh, okay. And so you're supposed to be really impressed with him as this great trainer. But anyone who actually plays the games watches these things and just shakes their heads and says, wow, he's really overcomplicating things for himself. <laughs> um, so I'd actually recommend starting with the games before starting with the the show but maybe i should maybe if you start with the show you get to experience it without that meta level of being annoyed at ash for doing things wrong maybe yeah i don't know i I wonder if the way i i think probably the way that we experience um like a certain world of creative stuff very much influences the way we want other people to experience it too right right like 
I think this about the the uh, the C.S. Lewis Chronicles of Narnia books. There are very there are two very distinct ways to read those books because they were written out of order. Right. Like you can either start reading The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which is the first one that was written, sort of continue the saga, and then backtrack to the the beginning of the story, like the creation one, the magician's nephew. Right. Um, and yeah, go around like that. Or you can read them in like the, the chronological order after they're all done. So you start with the magician's nephew and you go on to, <clears throat> yeah, the, there's like these, you know, there's some like the horse and his boy or whatever, which right. is just on record the worst one. I'm just going to say that and make some people mad at me. If Fair there's enough. any Narnia fans in the audience. I wouldn't be surprised if there are. <laughs> yeah. I read um, those books as a kid. Yeah. But I, the interesting thing that I've found about that is that both, like, if someone has read them in one order, they're really, and it seems whichever order it is, they're really vehement that that's the right way to do it. Right. And, like, that's the, when they recommend it to other people, that's the way that they're supposed to read these books. Yeah. I had something like that happen to me with Redwall. Did oh, yeah? you ever read those books? Yeah, I did. Redwall is like, it's like Game of Thrones with less sex and with woodland creatures instead of people. Yeah. Uh, those those books were great. And they were also similarly written out of order. Like, right, yeah. Brian Jacques just kind Red of... Redwall was first. Yeah. But then he wrote like, well, he wrote a few that a were like back to back that, you know, were actually sequels to each uh-huh. other, but also like jumps around a whole bunch. And like, he yeah. kind of just writes stuff wherever he wants to within the historical narrative. Uh, and like... I read those initially in the order that they were coming out in, and then eventually when I was rereading them later in life, I uh, I read them in the like chronological order. And hmm. I, uh, I don't think that there was any particular merit to either direction, honestly. Okay. Like, I think that both were worth doing, but reading them in chronological order helped. Like, really? In terms of, like, making sense of the, you know, the continuing narrative. Okay. But, but there was I... also something fun about the flashback, right? Where yeah. you've read, like, four books in a row, and then you go to one that came out later that was supposed to be before those four books and you're like oh cool like they talked about this guy as history and now i get to read it yeah i remember that because there was there's this one martin the warrior character right that like yeah there's a whole book about him eventually but you read you throughout all the first books you're like oh who's this guy they're always yeah mentioning in legends and then you get to meet him yeah Yeah, (laughs) i don't think i ever i read i read four or five red wall books i think but i don't Mm -hmm. know if i read enough to see a gigantic meta narrative that was more complicated than I could figure out. Like I pretty much did the first sort of run of right. where it's in order. And then I read maybe a couple others that were randomly placed and that was it. Yeah. I stopped after a while, but just cause I felt like I was getting old for them. There are a lot of those books. And also I found There's that a lot they, of them. they had a basic story type that sort of got repeated. Yeah. There's a crisis. Someone has to go on a mission. Well, they it's encounter very... some moles. They encounter some badgers. <laughs> They uh, fight somebody, yeah. they get what they want, they return, they save the day. It's very hero's journey. <clears throat> yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's it's a repetitive thing, but I don't know. I always thought it was fun. It was. It was a, there was a, I, I like the moles. The moles had fun accents. Yeah. They had, they were kind of like a Hagrid type of accent. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. They, they just, they had problems with making with, words with that words. were real words. And they always made turnip and tater and beetroot pie. Mm-hmm. Which I guess was good. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't sound bad. Turnips are good. Potatoes are good. Beetroots, mm-hmm. good. Yeah, beetroots would add some sweetness and tang. A little bit of a little bit of a kick. Yeah, and yeah. Then I guess putting on a pie. Yeah, like that. That's, that sounds good. I'd I'd eat it. Do you have any other uh, endings that you hate? Uh, 
No, not really. I mean, I'm, yeah, like I said, I'm generally pretty content with stuff. I just hate when things that I really like end. <laughs> huh. That's, you know, I, I hated when The Office ended. I hated when Parks and Rec ended. I, oh, you know, the ending of Glee was disappointing. Okay. But only because it wasn't really how they originally intended for it to end. But with Corey Monteith passing away, they had to like rewrite everything. And, mm. you know. Did he die in the show when he died in real life? Yeah. Or? Okay. Yeah, they killed him off on the show too. And it was like. I don't remember how they did it on the show. I think it was just like an accident or something. Yeesh. Yeah. But it happened off screen. Yeah, it happened off screen. And they had this like heart wrenching tribute episode where they mm. sang Seasons of Love. And I was like, oh, I man. knew you'd fucking do that. <laughs> yeah. You had to. Glee, Glee also disappointed me by never having the gay guys sing I'll Cover You. Aw. Which like should have happened. And they could have because those guys spent like a season and a half in New York together. And I was like, <laughs> why have you not done this yet? Oh, well. Yeah. They never managed to do it. Yeah. House did a similar thing, I think, with the one of the. Oh no, that that was. I don't know why House did that. Maybe the maybe the writer or the the actor just decided he didn't want to do the show anymore. Who they kill it off? Was, uh Kumar. Remember? Oh, it was yeah. because that guy, like that actor, went on. Like he ended up going to work for the president. Like he worked in the White House. After Seriously? That. Yeah, yeah. He, he they killed him off the show because he got a job working in the White House. <laughs> That's insane. I think I I seem to remember something like that because that was a big point in this. Like it's it's not like they just killed him off. Like that kind of set the narrative for the rest of House. Yeah, <laughs> it's really. I don't know. It's it's cool that they kind of ran with that. They weren't just like, okay, we'll write him off. No, yeah, I'm pretty sure that he went to like work for work for the president. I don't I don't know why I would remember that if that wasn't a thing that happened. That's really strange that he made a show about escaping from Guantanamo and then went to work for the president. Yeah. I'm going to quickly google this guy. What's his name? Harold and Kumar. He's he's Kumar. I don't know what his real name is. Yeah. I don't know. He's got that kind of generic Cal Penn look right to him. Okay, you should look that up. Yeah, cuz now I'm curious. I feel like that's a thing that I remember happening, but I think one thing that I dislike more than something ending that's good is when something should have ended and then continues on. Oh, yeah. Like. Oh, yeah. He totally did end up uh, going to work for the White House mm. um, in the Office of Public Engagement as an associate director. And then he left to go be on How I Met Your Mother for a little while after that. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, storied career, Cal Penn. Yeah. Very good of you. Not since Ronald Reagan has there been a more interesting man in the White House. Mm. Yeah, was Ronald Reagan interesting, or was he just an actor? Well, he's a, yeah, I guess that's true. Not since Taft has there been a more interesting man in the White House. Okay, who is this Taft guy? <laughs> Taft was a president. Yeah. Um, all I really know about him is that he was really big, had a good mustache, and once sat in a bathtub and made it overflow. Uh, but it was in like it was in a place where the floors were still just sort of slats. Okay. And so when he like got in this bathtub and it overflowed. The people who were in the room underneath just got soaked by the water that poured down. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. Um. Wh- why do you know this? Because I like history. Okay. Just going through the presidents, like I, I've always, I've always liked the American presidents. Yeah. Yeah. So William William Howard Taft, right? I think that's it. Yeah. W H T. Yeah. Yeah. I mm. he's got a good mustache though. Like yeah. there's not a lot of presidents with like comparable facial hair that's one thing that justin trudeau is lacking a little well, bit he got he had yeah nowadays for sure he had like a weird pirate goatee he had the d'artagnan back yeah. in the day yeah he needs to grow some kind of facial hair i don't trust him right now <laughs> speaking of which i don't trust you right now tim i don't have you don't have any facial hair i've got scruff yes yeah, i got that's my not... usual 
I've got my usual scruff. Yeah, you, you're rocking the trucker look again. Tom's got his uh, his. What is it? It's like a. It's got like a deer, deer, deer hat. I have a deer hat. I still think there's a dragon on the front, but I don't think it's a dragon. Maybe it's a, it's a it dragon. is a. It's a deer, but it just kind of looks a bit like a dragon. Oh, it is. Yeah. It, it, yeah, that's weird. Yeah. And then his ketchup shirt. This is a good shirt. His scruff and his body. Hey. And the, the headphones, I'm like you got, you're got, you a CB radio guy. CB? What's CB? CB radio. It's what the truckers use to communicate with each other. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. What I, was at, I was at a, because I, I did like a 10-hour car ride yesterday. It was only yesterday. Wow, that's weird. Oh, yeah. How was the, um, the family party? Family party. It was small, actually, for my family being hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. A lot of them didn't make it. Boo. A lot of them were sick or taking care of. My one cousin who had a baby the day before. Oh, hey, congrats. Um, yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. Our, the great-grandchildren officially outnumber the grandchildren in that family now. Oh, wow. Which is pretty cool. They are winning that bet. Yeah. There are 39 grandchildren and 40 great-grandchildren. That's wild. It's a big family. Have we talked about the bet on the podcast before? We have not. Yeah, let's, let's, let's talk, talk about, about the bet. This. So we made this bet back How in high school. How did it begin? It began in high school. We were sitting around talking. Well, maybe when you were in high school. Oh, that's true, because we weren't in high school at the same time for at any point. I don't think, yeah. No. So, um, it was years ago. Yeah. Um, God, probably like almost 10 years ago. This started, I think the first I heard of this, we were actually, we were at Simon's place. Oh, for yeah. For something. I think it was, was it a birthday party? Might have been Simon's it birthday probably, party. It was probably me and Simon's joint birthday party. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense, because it was in the summer, for sure. Yeah. And I came out after, you know, probably going to get a hot dog or something mm-hmm. or just arriving late because that's something that I always do. And you guys were talking about uh, grandchildren. Oh, you, were yeah. you not around for the first round of this conversation? I don't think I, I was. Not. So you're going to okay. have to fill me in. So basically, uh, this this bet is that uh, a bunch of us like me, Tim, Simon, uh, Josiah, a couple other guys. Our old friend Matt. Uh, th- this girl that I dated that Tim and Simon both wanted to date. Uh, a bunch of us made this bet uh, that we would all um, basically be in competition to see who could have the most grandchildren. Yes. Uh, which we decided at the time was like a more morally okay bet than to see who could have the most children. Well, it's not just more, more morally okay. It's more strategically interesting. It's more strategically interesting as well. Yeah. Because we have less control over that. Yeah. And you can't like you can't just go around spreading your seed and making as many children as you want and hope to win it. Yeah, dad. Because then those children will have, you know, issues with parenting and then they might not have children of their own. And yeah. also if you if you're not still in contact with them, they you're don't not count. Gonna, yeah, you're not going to know, right? Yeah. So, um, and so the way that we we factored this out, we we decided that uh every time any of us involved in the bet who continue to be involved in the bet uh has a child or grandchild added to their family. Yeah. Um, we will all like each of us who is involved will put in ten dollars into like a mutual fund. Yeah, ten dollars. Um, I think it was. Were we adjusting it for inflation? Were we pegging it to inflation? I think we were. I don't. I don't remember. Maybe we were definitely like we were definitely going to like the mutual fund takes care of the inflation of the actual pot. Right. It takes so care of the interest or whatever. Yeah. So it'll it'll grow based you know yeah and some level based on the economy. But I think we might. I, I'm not sure if we wanted to inflate the price so that like you know in 20 years we'd put in. $15 or however much right. it went up. Yeah, I guess it'll depend on financial situations. Either way, each of us will put in a set amount into the pot every time yeah. a child or grandchild is born. And then when the last of our children has died, 
Was it uh, death? I think we we were still conflicted on this point, but when there's no longer a possibility for more grandchildren to be yes. made, um, the family that has the most grandchildren will split the pot among the grandchildren. Yes. Um, which you know could be minimal amounts of money, could be tons of money. It's it of, won't be know. huge amounts of money. No, right? it won't be huge. Like there's a cap because the more grandchildren you have to win the bet, the more directions the pot will be split in. Right. So the the real way to have a really big pot is for us to all have lots of kids and then like a few grandchildren, because then right. the family that has the most grandchildren will get a huge pot split among those grandchildren. Okay, there will only be like three or four of them but tons of people in the previous generation. That's true, but that's an unstable, like... Yeah, it's unstable. It's an unstable system because if you decide to do that, then I can win the bet by just having a few more grandchildren. Oh, totally. And I'm not saying that that's a strategy. I'm just saying that's the only circumstance where the grandchildren would win a lot of money is if somehow no one had a lot of grandchildren. Okay, so that's interesting, though, because you're really trying to get the, the minimal amount of grandchildren that you need to still win the bet. Yeah, that's right. You want to win by like one kid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the overall like point of this that we always came back to and Josiah was really firm on this was that we wanted to make it a small enough deal that like really you're not particularly choosing how many children to have because you want to win this bet. Like, no, it'd be pretty foolish to do so. Yeah. But it is kind of a fun thing and it is to be kept secret from the grandchildren. So they have like absolutely no knowledge of this until... Like, I guess their last aunt dies and they're super sad. Yeah. And then it's like, surprise, you get money. <laughs> Here's a bunch of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh. So what what was the system? Because if this is going to last until our children have died or at least become no longer of childbearing age. Yeah. Um, we might not be around to see it. That's true. So how how are we going to pass it, like keep it going what if do we don't mean? tell our grandchildren? Well, we have to tell our children. Okay. But we shouldn't tell our children until a certain point. Do we tell all of our children or we just like entrust it to somebody? Oh, good point. Like we may need to pick like one trustee family. Yeah. That like, or just one representative from each family. Like, oh, that's reasonable. Like the first, the first born of each family carries it on. Gets to know about it and then has to like subtly pressure their siblings without telling them why. (laughs) Like, hey, bro, you should probably have some babies. I'm just saying. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That you would get be interesting. Then you get that one person who's sort of an in, yeah, in on it and can can rig the game a little more. Yeah. Plus, that means that there's always like at least one person from each family who's aware of it and can like make sure that financial things are being dealt with, right? Mm, yeah. Make sure the mutual fund isn't being scammed. Yeah. Yeah. What happens if the economy crashes and then we lose our entire, you know? betting fund um i mean at that point it's just for glory right i guess so yeah it's whichever one of us you know gets the glory in the afterlife yeah yeah who do you think if you had to bet between like mm, you know those of us who were who were you know on the bet at the time mm-hmm. who's gonna have the most grandkids yeah who would you wager on that's a really tricky thing right because it it comes down to like who anticipates having lots of kids and who anticipates raising their kids in a setting that will encourage their kids to want to have more kids? Well, I'm Catholic. Yeah, you're probably you're probably. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if your family is up there. Yeah, but you're getting older. You gotta. That's you gotta true. That's, I, I'm Catholic, but also you know I I have a I have an age disadvantage. Yeah, I mean all of us in that scenario are 
unmarried. I was going to say single, but most of us are not single, but we're all unmarried. Well, we um, were unmarried at the time. We're, but I mean, currently. No, Josiah is married. No, yeah, that's what I mean. All of us, most of us are <laughs> unmarried except for Josiah is wherever that sentence was originally oh, okay. going. All right. uh, and so in, by that logic, Josiah sort of has the advantage currently. I guess so. Uh, but at the same time, he has not yet started a family. No. So we're still. Uh, so technically no one has advantage right now. No. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you take it away. Well, we'll you have see, the I biggest. Mean, well, you have the biggest family out of everyone who. Ooh, that's not true. That's that's not true. Are we talking extended family or no, just I'm talking like in terms local of number of siblings? Yeah, no, no, no way. It's not true. I, I don't have. I only have two siblings. Lots yeah. of people beat me on that score. Not lots of people. Well, one. But. Everyone is tied with you. Wait, no. I think Sam was in on the bet. He's got like six siblings or something. Oh snap! And I think his family is also kind of Catholic. Yeah, that gives me competition. That's true, and he's married. But also, I mean, you, you, uh, I don't know. What's your philosophy? Do you want to have lots of kids if I've you got have a, kids? I've got the only child chip on my shoulder. Okay. So I, I want to have multiple kids for sure. What's the only child chip? You know, the, I was alone all the time because it was just me and my mom. So I don't want uh, my kids to go through the same thing. So whereas, I intend to stay with my kid's mother and also have multiple kids. <laughs> right. Whereas if you do, if, you know, if there are multiple children, it's, I feel like it's impossible for the firstborn child to not have a chip on their shoulder. Probably. Maybe it's just impossible for kids in general to not have chips on their shoulders. Mm. But the firstborn, if they're alone, then they get that. Yeah. But if they're not alone, then they get the, I used to get all the attention and now I don't right. chip. And they're forever trying to regain that. Yeah. I feel like if you keep it within a reasonable number of children, the more children you have increases the likelihood that your children will think that it's realistic to grow up with multiple ch- siblings. well Uh, that was a hard sentence because if they are growing up with multiple siblings that makes it very realistic well yeah sorry what i mean is if you yourself have five kids yeah your five kids will be like oh yeah it's pretty normal to have four siblings yeah and so when they have kids the idea of having five kids will not be as daunting as if you had one kid and then your kid was like i think i'm gonna have five kids that'd be overwhelming for them probably Right, maybe. But because they they'll have seen how you, that type of family works. Yeah, but they'll have seen you raise five kids and they'll be like, well, Tim did it. Yeah. And slash yeah. we did it. Because I feel like right. in big families that especially the older kid always ends up kind of kind of raising, raising kids. Others. Yeah. Kind of raising kids. Yeah. But on the other hand, <clears throat> in terms of this bet, what is the optimal strategy? Because you could say, you know, like so you think that if the if the family is too big, maybe there'll be a backlash where people decide Maybe not too. Well, I think if the family is too big and don't like each other, there'll be a backlash, right? Like, yeah. ultimately, the best strategy in this is to have a loving family. Yeah. Like, regardless of the number of family kids that, that promotes family. Yeah, that's it. Like, if you if you and your spouse have like two or three kids, like it's not a ton of kids, but it's an okay in amount. Yeah. Uh, and like love the hell out of them and encourage them that like families are good things and make them feel like family is something that they like and appreciate. Mm-hmm. Then odds are when they go off and get married and want to have kids of their own they'll want to have kids of their own yeah whereas if you kind of have like a a toxic and difficult family environment for your kids growing up like and you know god forbid uh then like they probably won't be as inclined to you know do that right I don't know. even if you uh excuse me even if you have many many children yeah even if you have many have sons yeah that that actually uh that has some resonance with my two extended families actually oh yeah they both they're both pretty large, right? Like my my mom's family is six siblings, right? 
Um, and they ended up having 39 grandchildren. <laughs> um, my dad's family is 11 siblings, he, wow. him being the oldest. Um, but they did not stay together nearly as much. They mm-hmm. sort of fractured into factions and uh, they... Uh, um they you know they also were a big catholic family that went through the sort of french quiet revolution where they decided that like a lot of the a lot of those sort of family things and like religious things were not something they wanted to do anymore right so that family has only 20 grandchildren so the uh the smaller family with the you know raised as as one with notions of lovely family Mm mm-hmm beat out the bigger family that ended up being not so happy with each other yeah well that's it right like you know a family that is happy is a family that will create more more families yeah a family that's not happy is a family that won't like i'm surprised i exist because my mom was really unhappy growing up (laughs) but then she had me by accident well there you are (laughs) yeah like i i would be surprised if my mom had ever like intentionally tried to have kids okay um i don't know i mean you know there's no way to tell right that's a but funny like, statement, being surprised that you exist. I'm sure, yeah, I am. Like, I mean, you know, I wasn't planned by any means, right? Yeah. And, like, just knowing, like, the things my mom wanted to do with her life, like, she was very, like, independent and very, you know, not tied down to anything. Like, the idea of her wanting to get married and have kids, mm-hmm. like, I would have been shocked. Right. I mean, I I'd still would be surprised if she, you know, I mean, at this point, biologically, she won't be having any more kids. But, like, I'd be surprised if she even gets married ever. Yeah. Like, you know, the guy she's currently with, she told me that if they're together for at least seven years, they'll get married because they're both convinced that every relationship fails after seven years. Interesting. And I was like, okay, well, you've got two more. But, like, you know, I I would be be surprised. Mm. I don't know. Even at that point, I'd be surprised if they don't just decide to live in sin. I see. Mic drop. Um, <laughs> I I am a bit of a surprise as a child as well, mm-hmm. um, because my mother, my mom and dad got married pretty late, um, and they, you know, when they started having kids, my mom was thirty seven, right, um, and so she, you know, like my that's when my older brother was born, and um, by the time like so they they had my brother and my sister, and then they actually had a pregnancy that they lost okay um because you know mom was just getting up there in years and that tends to be a lot more frequent yeah and so the doctor kind of told her like you know that's it like that's that's enough you shouldn't you, know, you shouldn't try anymore right and so my mom my mom dad yeah my mom actually just told me this story over christmas break i hadn't realized oh wow. um she decided that she was going to um th- they were going to keep trying to have another kid until her 42nd birthday okay and then they would stop. Right. Um, her for, my, my mom's 42nd birthday is in mid-March. Right. I am born in mid-December, which is like precisely nine months after. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, was born when my mom was 42. So like literally I was the last hope. Right. They like tried one last time. <laughs> they were like, this they is were the like, oh. last shot we got. And then yeah. here I am. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I so. I, I feel like. It's interesting, like, you don't think about, like, miscarriages as happening that often. Yeah. They happen really often. They do. Like, I, it's wild. Like, I, most of the families I know that have, like, lots of kids mm-hmm. have stories like that, where there's, oh, yeah, like, yeah, sure. like, one kid that didn't happen. Yeah. It's like, whoa, like, and it's like, they're, like, hap- you know, healthy, normal people, like, it just didn't work out. Yeah. It's like, whoa. It's like, see, crazy. your body has a lot of, like, the thing is, 
there's a lot of genetic abnormalities that cause like spontaneous mis like they call it spontaneous abortion or whatever right. like just yeah so like a lot of the time it's that something went wrong either mm-hmm. genetically or like developmentally early on and like often the human body is really is you know notices that and is like nope we're just not going to do that and right. then like flushes it out like the 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 genetic disorders that survive in and like allow allow a person to like sur- like actually survive pregnancy and become like a you know full grown person right. are the rare ones like that's why <laughs> like for example like down syndrome is the deletion of one part of one chromosome right like it's it's one part gets lost um but there's like there are 20 23 chromosomes Right. And most of the time, if another piece of another chromosome gets lost, like you just don't survive. Oh, wow. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Huh. It's actually kind of making me sad thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So. Him, 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 him. Lighter topics? What? (laughs) I had another, I I had a, I hadn't talked about any endings that I didn't like. Oh yeah, so far. Oof. I mean, we sort of just talked about some endings we don't like. I suppose so, yes. but you know, death is an ending that nobody likes death? unless they like it. Yeah. This uh, this ending that I'm going to talk about was a, not a death. It was a. This is a a, a Stephen King novel. It's the only Stephen mm. King novel I've ever read, and it was recommended to me by my aunt, who is utterly obsessed with Stephen King. No, that's not true. It wasn't. It was recommended to me by a girl named Amalia. Um, and yeah, when I told my aunt she, I, that I, I had read, this is my only Stephen King novel. She actually said, "Ugh, go read another one. Um, <laughs> it's an excellent novel. It's called Gerald's game It's an excellent novel for like nine tenths of the way through. And the, like Stephen King is brilliant at like setting up suspense and sort of like making little moments like psychologically horrific. So the, the premise of this story is that there's this girl and a guy in this cabin together. Um, and they're sort of getting frisky and the girl like, so, so the the guy like handcuffs the girl to a bed and promptly dies. Um, <laughs> That's not was, where I thought that was going. Oh, it's a little bit weirder. Like he, he sort of gets too aggressive with her. And so she like kicks him in the crotch and something goes wrong and he oh, okay. falls over and dies. I thought you meant like he just finishes like, Oh yeah, just a second. I'm no. just going to, you know, lock you in here. Ooh, dead. Yeah. Um, so, so most of the, most of it takes place with this girl, you know, handcuffed to a bed right. with her dead, newly dead husband beside her. Like oh, just, they're married. Yeah. Okay. Like just, just trying to figure out how to get out of here. So there's like an entire chapter based on like trying to figure out how to get the glass of water that's on the nightstand so that she won't die of thirst. Right. And like, she spends several days sort of getting more delirious and, you know, like yeah, it's, it's he's really good at like stretching out this sort of psychological horror of like you know I'm just mm-hmm. gonna die here kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, that's all excellent. And then in the last chapter, like she the whole time she's been getting these kind of like weird visions of things and like sort of you know going through her childhood and her like past traumas and stuff and sort of like finding resolutions to stuff. And it seems like there's a real, you know, like it's going to end on sort of this like self-discovery thing um it's, it's like self-discovery but at the same time you're never sure if she's gonna make it or just die in the bed and that'll be it right so she makes it out 
And then there's just this really weird non sequitur where she encounters this like creepy, disfigured, like pervert guy who might or may or may not be a supernatural like figment of her imagination. Okay. And he like it's it's just this random, like disturbing image that has I don't know, maybe Stephen King, maybe it's another thing where Stephen King like thought it had some metaphorical resonance to the story or like gave her some redemption for things in the past. Right. But it just makes no sense. Like he just, this guy just shows up and it's just like that didn't need to be there. Yeah, that's annoying when when stuff just gets added in for seemingly no reason. Yeah. And it was like it just feels like it's there so that it'll give you another thing to be like that's disgusting and disturbing. Right. And then she escapes him in the bookends. It's like, oh. Yay. Yeah. 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 Made me not want to read Stephen King anymore, which is sad because I was pretty gripped through a lot of it. Right. Well, you never know. Maybe that's the worst one. Your aunt seemed convinced that you should read a different one. Yeah, but my aunt makes a lot of bad decisions. Oh, fair enough. I don't have any aunts. I found out my grandma called me yesterday while I was at work. Just to tell me that I apparently have a bunch of like second cousins who live in Hungary who speak English and want to meet me. Really? Yeah. So that's exciting. She should, t- she should tell them to listen to your podcast. Well, I I told her she was like, yeah. So like, see if you can find them. And I was like, I literally, okay. You know, if you search me on Facebook, I'm the only Tom Zalatni. Okay. The only other people who come up are my mother, my mom's cousin, um, and my grandpa. Okay. We're the only Zalatnais on Facebook. And really? I think maybe my mom's, uh, my grandpa's sister is on Facebook. Is as your well. name just like a really new name? Or? There's just, Zalatnai just isn't a name. <laughs> it just okay. doesn't mean anything. Where does it come from? Uh, it's just made up. I don't know. Uh, there's there's just not that many of us. Wow. Um, like outside of my family. So there's only like five of us on Facebook. So finding me on Facebook, really easy. Yeah. Um, but my cousins, their last name is like Antal. Okay. And apparently that's a real common last name. Ah. So when my grandma was giving me their names, she was like, I mean, the last name is very common, but the first names, I'm sure there's there can't be that many of them. She gave me five names. Each of them had at least eight options. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not going to be able to find them. Just tell Dang them to it. add me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's need, kind of you exciting. You need some sort of other descriptor of them, well, right? She gave me descriptions of them, but like not useful ones, right? She was right. like, oh, you know, they're they're very cute. They're all, you know, 18 and 17 and 14. And uh, Thank you. The, that describes. The, yeah, and he's yeah. like, yeah, great. Thanks, Grandma. <laughs> like, I, need to, I need to figure this out from like a Facebook thumbnail. <laughs> yeah. And the, the one piece of detail she gave me was like, oh, the dad is. Is, uh, is a oh my goodness what is he he's a bone doctor but not okay. a bone doctor he's osteopath osteopath there we go yeah Bam. She, she was saying that he was uh, a an osteopathic surgeon I think okay um but but I was like okay I don't know the Hungarian word for bone doctor so <laughs> <laughs> even that's not going to help me really uh, but yeah so I found out that I have family members who I didn't know existed cool. they're from like my grandma's brother. Um, okay. Had like a wife and a mistress. Ah. Uh, and the wife, like, I mean, he's, he passed away. The wife passed away. I'm pretty sure the mistress passed away. Um, but the, uh, it's funny cause his, like his legitimate daughter is a huge Karen. Like none of okay. us like her. She's the worst. Mm. Uh, you, so you know her already. Yeah. Yeah. Like my mom thinks she's the worst person. My grandma thinks she's the worst person. We basically don't talk to that, that, that cousin. Interesting. Um, 
but my but the mistress's daughter is like the sweetest girl in the world apparently and oh, like my man. grandma just adores her and like it was really a shame because for a long time like they had to keep that hidden yeah that she existed and then like you know eventually they were allowed to be like okay yeah this girl exists but my grandma's only now starting to really get to know this girl who's like okay. basically her niece right wow well literally her niece yeah um and yeah apparently the niece is like just the sweetest person and has like well, the, the osteo doctor is her husband, and so these are all, like, their kids together. Okay, wow. So these are, like, my grandma's, like, great nieces and nephews that she just never got to meet because, you know. That's a pretty cool thing to discover as like, a, as, like, a grandma type to be yeah. like, whoa, I have a whole bunch of other young relatives to like and care about. Yeah, well, that's it. Like, I feel like that's what would happen if I ever met my dad mm. is that I'd find out that I have a bunch of, like, half-siblings. Right. And it would be a similar situation of, like, oh, cool, I guess. Yeah, uh, but this is cooler for my grandma because my grandma always kind of knew about this, but like never really got to meet them or anything. Mm. Uh, so now she's like, you know, come into contact with these people and like knows them. And, you know, yeah, it's interesting. Huh. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's an interesting thing that I does that ha- does that still happen? People having mistresses? Uh, I mean, for sure. I don't know. Like it's <laughs> like I feel like uh, to be like maybe to to have like an affair is one thing, but like to have a mistress, it's like. The girl has to be weirdly committed. Right? Yeah. No, I'm sure it happens. Maybe like, not as much anymore, but I'm sure it still happens. Like it's having this weird other family. Yeah. That like, I don't know, do people be do people be mistresses of more than one person? Or are they like just that person's mistress? Like what is their other role? I don't know. I think I think a lot of the time, uh, like people who are the mistress uh-huh. aren't aware that they're the mistress. Ah. Okay. And are just you know, not sure why their significant other is away so much. Uh, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, some of the time it's the kind of thing where it's like, you know, different cities and stuff, different cities or yeah. like you. Yeah, exactly. Like, you you know, you have an affair when you're in one city, like right. just visiting. Yeah. And then you find out later that the person's pregnant and you're like, well, I'm going to still give you child support and stuff. And then like I'll pop in once in a while. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like probably like famous people have that happen all the time. Okay. Uh, like I guess celebrities who travel a lot or whatever. And have poor morals. Yeah. But I, I don't know how often it happens with like normal people like us. Yeah. I, I don't, don't know. know. Like it, I've never I've never dated two people at the same time. So in a weird way, it all it always feels like a, a like rich person thing. Yeah. Or like an an upper class thing. Yeah. But I don't know why. Maybe it's, it it's probably, just be, it could it's probably because you just only hear about famous people's mistresses. But at the yeah. same time, I feel like like mistress might be a word that's only applied to mm-hmm. like the extramarital affairs right. of famous rich people. Yeah, well if you're not a famous rich person, your mistress is just your side piece. <laughs> like <laughs> there's there's a whole different language for it, right? Yeah. Well, like that's the thing like, you know, how many like how many poor families in like ghetto areas have, you know, a bunch of like half siblings they don't know about, right? For sure. Like, just like, like dad it, was a deadbeat and, you know, it's a universal thing, like yeah, yeah. and lots of middle class people and people of all types. Yeah, but I wonder are, about like how many people have like an actual like mis- like a second family kind of thing going on. That's, yeah, that's an interesting concept. I don't know, and they yeah. actually maybe you have to be like a successful business person or something to be able to keep it secret. Like, right? It seems difficult if you don't. I don't know if you're not the type type person who. Always has to be off on business or whatever. Yeah. Well, like if you're constantly traveling and you make enough money to like, you know, support that lifestyle, then it's probably not the hardest thing in the world to do, except, you know, emotionally, it's probably really difficult. I don't know. Yeah. Like you don't really think about like how hard it must be for like 
a man who is cheating on his spouse and has a whole separate side family like emotionally that's probably a really difficult thing to do for sure it's not a good thing to do and i I'm mean not saying you should pity them but it's probably yeah, not easy also it's like that guy's definitely in the wrong like <laughs> yeah. you, you kind of brought this on yourself but it doesn't sound yeah. fun yeah but i don't know maybe like are there people that because like that's the other thing with miss like the idea of a mistress is that it seems to mm. imply like longevity yeah right right which like, sort of after a while you're like okay like how much can you actually feel guilty about this if you're keeping it up yeah like yeah. you seem to just have figured out the like oh yeah i've got two families and they don't know about each other and that's yeah. how it is yeah that's it like i'm not really yeah. sure i'm not convinced that that actually makes sense i don't know but i feel like people can people can adapt to a lot right yeah and i guess someone can adapt to that and be like well this is my life now yeah i'm just gonna hope that it doesn't come crashing down on me which i probably usually does yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well. Well, um, do you have a mistress? Let us know in the comments. <laughs> and, and let your wife know, because you're being a jerk. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening to this weird episode of... A little bit discussion. strange, yeah. We went in a bunch of different directions. So, Patrick, I hope that answers your question. The uh, The worst ending I ever had was the time that I had to end things with my mistress. Okay. Um, Tim, how about you? What was worst the worst ending thing I ever, ever had ended? was this podcast. There we go. Guys, go to facebook.com slash podcast. Upford podcast. Look us up on Facebook. Uh, we are up for discussion. Find us on Twitter at downwithtalking. Go to patreon.com slash upfordiscussion. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes. Give us a rating and review. Share this with all of your friends and family. Am I forgetting anything? Um, I wasn't really paying attention. That's fair. I'm probably not forgetting anything. I'm Tom Zalatni. That's Tim Blay. I'm Tim Blay. We are... Patreon. We are Patreon. <laughs> Goodbye. What you got? When he was ten, his father split, full of it, debt ridden. Two years later, see Alex and his mother bedridden, half dead, sitting in their own sick, the scent thick. And Alex got better, but his mother went quick. Moved in with the cousin, the cousin committed suicide Left him with nothing but ruined pride Something new inside a voice saying Alex, you gotta fend for yourself He started retreating and reading every treatise on the shelf He would've been nothing, I don't remember that There would've been nothing left to do for someone less astute He would've been dead or destitute without a cent of restitution Started working, clerking for his late mother's landlord Trading sugar cane and rum and all the the things he can't afford saving for every book he could get his hands on same as he now on the bow of a ship to a new land in new york you can be a new man in new york you can be a new man in new york you can just you man in new york you can be a new man in new york just you Down, you never learn to take your time. Oh, Alexander Hamilton, but America sings for you. Cause we know that you overcame. Do they know you rewrote the game? The world will never be the same. Oh. The ship is in the harbor now. See if you can spot them. 
Another immigrant coming up from the bottom His enemies destroyed his rep America forgot him We fought with him I trusted him I died for him Me, I, I loved him. him And me, I'm the damn fool that shot him Shot him And there's a million things I haven't done But just you wait What's your name, man? Alexander Hamilton.